Hello everybody, this is Dan Trotter, Pretty Good Bible Studies. I'm now taking up Luke chapter 21. I'm only going to do the first four verses today. This is the last act of Jesus on Tuesday of Passion Week as he left the temple. The story of the widow putting her mites into the temple treasury. There is one parallel passage in Mark covering Mark 12 verses 41 through 44. I've already done an audio on, on that, and so I'm going to splice it in here. There is no other parallel passage in Matthew. So that splice from Mark 12, 41 through 44 begins now. All right, we will now turn to the last occurrence of Jesus' public ministry. The last time he taught publicly, we're not counting, of course, his public utterances at his trial, but in the temple, this is it. And it's the story of the widow's might. Let me read the version in Mark. There is one in Luke. They both say the same thing, basically, almost exactly. Mark 12:41 through 44. And he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. And many rich people were putting in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury, for they all put in out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. Now let's talk about the treasury. Where was she? This was in the court of women. There were 13 trumpet-shaped receptacles for the contributions in the court of women, and they were shaped like inverted megaphones, so you would toss your coin in the top, but in, in, the, uh, in the small opening at the top and it would drop down into the trumpet into the into the larger end of the megaphone shaped trumpet and that's how they did that they had and the purpose of this was for the maintenance of the temple now I'm going to give you a quotation from John Gill to describe this and some of which is hard to understand but just to give you an idea of what they did in order to collect money quote there were 13 chests in the temple six of them were for voluntary oblations or free will offerings for what remained of the sin offering, of the trespass offering, of the turtles, and I think he means turtle doves there. For those that had fluxes or bloody discharges, the law had ritual requirements where you're supposed to give donations uh, after you got cu cured of a bloody flux. For new mothers, remember you have to take your child to get, to get it purified. The mother had to be purified in the temple whether she had to give a contribution sacrifices of the Nazarite, Nazarite vows, there was a special trumpet for that, of the trespass offering for the leper, if the leper got cleansed, he put in money to a different trumpet, and the last was for a free will offering in general. And into one of these chests, or all of them, was the money cast afterwards spoken of. In other words, it doesn't say which trumpet took which donation, but I just mentioned this to show you what elaborate means the temple authorities went to collect money. Let me read you what Edersheim says, of course, he's the famous Jewish scholar, Christian Jewish scholar, who wrote it the last part of the 1800s. He's the expert on all things Jewish. He wrote that great book, Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah, which I would suggest that every learned Christian read. I've read it twice. Fantastic book. He says, Trumpets 1 and 2 were appropriated to the half-shekel temple tribute of the current and of the past year. That was the, the famous half-shekel temple tax to maintain the building. Into trumpet three, those women who had to bring turtle doves for a burnt and sin offering dropped their equivalent in money, which was daily taken out and a corresponding number of turtle doves offered. This not only saved the labor of so many separate sacrifices, but spared the modesty of those who might not wish to have the occasion or the circumstances of their offering to be publicly known. 
And to this trumpet, Mary, the mother of Jesus, must have dropped the value of her offering when the aged Simeon took the infant Savior in his arms and blessed God. That was for the purification of women. You notice that you didn't actually have to bring a turtle dove to offer it. You just put the money in the trumpet, and then the priest would take it, a turtle dove for however, however much money you put in there. They would buy the turtle dove and then sacrifice it for you. This would save you of having to bring a turtle dove to the temple. Trumpet 4 similarly received the value of the offerings of young pigeons. And Trumpet 5 contributions for the wood used in the temple. And Trumpet 6 they took up money for the incense used in the temple. And Trumpet 7 for the golden vessels for the ministry money for the golden vessels for the ministry were deposited. If a man had put aside a certain sum for a sin offering and any money was left over after its purchase it was cast into Trumpet 8. So that was left over after you bought your sin offering. Similarly, trumpets 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13 for, were destined for what was left over from trespass offerings, offerings of birds, offerings of the Nazarites, of the cleansed leper, and, vol and voluntary offerings. It reminds me of how many Christian organizations will have a way to designate your funds. For example, there's one I like to give to that says for Bible, it's in Asia, for Bible printing in Asia, for to take care of the survivors of martyrs for evangelism, you know, different ways, or for just general overhead. Why? Because people like to give to specific things. That's human nature, and those Jews took care of that. They had a trumpet for everything. Edersheim goes on. It is probably an ironical in ironical allusion to the form and name of these treasure chests that the Lord, making use of the word trumpet, describes the conduct of those who, in their almsgiving, sought glory for men as sounding a trumpet before them. This is Matthew 6, verse 2. They sound a trumpet before them when they give alms. That is, carrying before them, as it were, in full display, one of these trumpet-shaped alms boxes, and as it were, sounding it, metaphorically speaking, of course. They carried the trumpet-shaped box and say, Look at here. <laughs> I'm putting money into the, into, the, into the plate. It reminds me of... That big revival, the so-called revival down there in Florida where they, what was the name of that place? Lakeland, Florida. And I had a, I had a, uh, a, a friend of mine who had a kind of an extreme charismatic friend of his that went down there but came back disgusted because they had ATM machines in the parking lot. So you could give money right there with your card. Well, the two coins that that woman put into the trumpet to the, the Jewish equivalent of the offering basket were, were small copper coins. They were the smallest coins in circulation in Palestine. The Greek was lepta. The two lepta, the plural is lepta. Smallest coin that you could have. The old King James has mites, two mites. And so we, that's why we call it the widow's mite because of the King James. But it was basically two small lepta, two small copper coins that were worth almost nothing. And Jesus said, nevertheless, she gave more than all of those people who were just given out of their surplus. She, that was sacrificial giving. This is reminiscent of, a, reminiscent of a quote from Paul when he wrote to the Corinthians in his second letter, chapter 8, verse 12. For if the eagerness is there, it is, it is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. So we should never, ever, ever sniff at small offerings because you don't know how much sacrifice the offeror went to give that money away. It's real easy for rich people to give money away. It's real hard for poor people. And I just think it's interesting that the very last 
rebuke that Jesus gave of the whole stinking religious system that he was denouncing and was getting ready to kill him, the, the last thing that he dealt with was money. When will the American church ever learn? Let me read you A.T. Robertson's comment on this. He says, Notice that this was the last occurrence in the Savior's public ministry, except the trial and the crucifixion. This is the last appearance of Jesus in the temple. His public teaching is over, save the words of defense at his trial and the seven sayings on the cross. The Pharisees and Sadducees had withdrawn in terror at the explosion of the wrath of Jesus. Now, that's, that's putting it uh, a little starkly there. I, th I think they withdrew, and I think they were afraid. I don't know if they ran like, he, like they'd seen a terrorist or something. I'm not sure. That might be a little bit strong. But at any rate, the Pharisees and Sadducees had left. And then Robertson says, even the disciples were at some distance as Jesus sat alone by the treasury. I don't know where he gets that from. I've read both, both in Matthew and Luke, and I don't see where it says that the disciples were hanging around, hanging off at a distance while Jesus was looking at the people putting money into the treasury. So... Now we are ready for Jesus to leave the temple, go over to the Mount of Olives, and on the way to the Mount of Olives and at the Mount of Olives, he will give his Olivet Discourse, and in Matthew 23, he will pronounce the seven wolves on the, Sadducee, on the Pharisees and the Sadducees too. And all of that is in Matthew, it's not here in Mark, so, well, I say it's not in Mark, the, in Mark 13, the next chapter basically gives a skinny version of Matthew 24. To study the Olivet Discourse, you really need to study Matthew 24 and the parallel version in Luke, Luke 21, which I've already done in Matthew 24. So when we go to Mark 13, I'm just going to basically make a copy of what I said in Matthew 24 with reference to Luke 21, and I'm going to put it in that audio. All right, folks, I'm back from my splice of Mark of my discussion of Mark 12, verses 41 through 44, discussing the widow's mites, and now we turn to that momentous Issue of the Olivet Discourse, eschatology. The Luke version of the Olivet Discourse is not as complete as the Matthew 24 version, so I'm mainly going to be discussing the Olivet Discourse from Matthew 24. I'm going to take an Orthodox Preterist viewpoint of that passage. It should be interesting. I hope you enjoyed this audio, and I hope you listen to the next one. <laughs>